0: Hey, today I want to talk about the proof of Jesus' resurrection. And if you go to a seminary or if you go to a, a university or a Bible college, they usually teach a program called uh, Christian Apologetics. And what that simply means is the theology of explaining or defending Christianity. However, I think it's important, and it's probably the most unusual resurrection message I've ever done, that how we need to be able to prove and bear witness as the defenders of the faith of the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you know in our nation and around around the world, there's a lot of people that oppose what you and I believe today. They believe today is just another Sunday, and that's that. But you and I have a different view of it. And I just want to take a couple of minutes of your time to outline what I think are proofs of Jesus' resurrection that are actually not just hearsay, but actual facts. And uh, let's begin with that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, notice what it says in verse number 3 here. If you look on your screens or turn your Bible or look on your phone, it says this, For I've delivered to you, first of all, that which I've received, that Jesus died for our sins, according to the Scripture. And in verse 4, it says, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, according to the Scripture. So that's the basic outline of why we're here today. But skip down to verse number uh, 14. It says, verse 14, watch this. And if Jesus is not risen, then our preaching, or what we do as Christians, is what? Everybody say, empty empty and your faith is also empty. So it's in vain. It's useless. However, however, based upon that, we've got to realize that there's some basic facts and we'll go over to him just briefly over these facts. It's, of course, there's no tomb anywhere that holds the remains of Jesus. I think that's interesting because Muhammad and Confucius and other religions and, you know, specifically Muhammad, as far as islam there's a tomb there there's a there's a body there there's dust there but with jesus that's not the case he was buried and rose again on the third day just as he said he would do Jesus never backed off. He never speculated. He said he would be risen on the third day. He was. Of course, the the cross was considered a place of defeat. I know the cross is a horrible thing. If you've ever seen the movie The Passion by Mel Gibson, I mean, it graphically shows the price that Jesus paid for you and I. However, Mel Gibson's in production right now with a movie called The Resurrection, and I'm looking forward to that. But the cross is not a place of defeat. The cross is a place of victory. Because what happened on the cross was what happened on that third day. And all that he said, all that was prophesied in Isaiah 52 and 53, all those things and Christianity's very foundation of him being the resurrection, all came to pass. Everything that he said came to pass. Isn't that awesome of a human being that would walk this earth and say things, and they all come to pass, and then in turn give his life for you and I? That's that's not a religion. That's true God in the flesh. And I'm so thankful today. It says over in the book of uh, Acts, I want to just turn there, and I want to bring your attention to something. In Acts chapter 1, this is, of course, after Jesus is resurrected. Is that book of Acts and its start, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In verse 1, it says, The former account I made, of Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, watch this, until the day in which he was taken up, that he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now watch this. He presented himself. Everybody say he presented himself. Watch this, he presented himself after his suffering, after the cross, by many infallible proofs. What's the word infallible means? It means it's it's a fact, I mean it's a a statement of declaration, it is the truth. And so it says right here, by many infallible proofs being seen by them during what, 40 days, not four days, not one week, 40 days, that's a month plus 10 days basically. Watch this, and it says here, speaking... uh, "...being seen by them during 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God." Notice that phrase in there, infallible proofs. That's just what I want to... And again, this is just me, but I believe it's important. After 18 years, I've always talked about the resurrection. I've always talked about, you know, the price that Jesus paid. I did that last week, and I'll always talk about that. But I think it's important that you and I, as we gather in His name today, and for those watching, that we can be able to go out and not defend Christianity, but proclaim it as a fact... That it's a truth because people are bearing down against you and I. They're challenging what we believe, whether it's in a political arena, whether it's in a business arena, or whether it's on a social media or technology or whatever the arena. They're saying, hey, listen, we don't need Jesus. We don't need your religion. We need what we have, and what we have is who we are. You know what? That's true, but one day you're going to leave that body, and one day you're going to go into eternity because this life is not the only life that we live. A hundred years years down here is awesome, is it not? But are not living to 100 years, even if you do live to 100 years, which I hope you do, I'm saying this, though, this is not the life that's only the life you'll ever live. And I just think it's powerful. We turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, I mean, Matthew 28. I just want to show you the first proof. Of course, a lot of people say it's the empty tomb. I think the most important proof of Jesus' uh, resurrection is the missing soldiers, the missing soldiers. Notice what it says. Now, I'm going to read this to you. Um, I'm going to read the whole. Uh, Easter resurrection uh, stories, they call it. But anyway, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now, let just watch this or we'll look on the screens. Anyway, it says, After the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, began to dawn Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. Verse 2. Behold, there was an earthquake. Everybody say earthquake. Now, I think this is important. We're going to get to this in just a second. So it says was an earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. Watch this descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now picture this. I'll tell you, the Bible's amazing. It's got some awesome stuff in there. Why do drugs when you can read the Bible? <laughs> so anyway, his countenance was like lightning and, the, and his clothing was white as snow. Verse four, and the guard shook for fear of him. Watch this. And became like dead men. Now these are Roman soldiers. Okay. These are not the little security guards you see around Alcon or Amazon. Okay. These are Roman soldiers. Watch this this, and nothing wrong with security guards around Amazon, okay? I don't want to offend anybody. Notice what verse 6 says. The angel said, do not be afraid, for I know who you see, Jesus, for he was crucified. Verse 6, watch this. He is not here. I love that. He is risen, and come see the place where they laid him. Verse number 7, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. Indeed, that he is going forth before you to Galilee. Watch this, and you will see him. Behold, I told. Behold, I have told you. Verse number 8. So they went click- quickly from the tomb, with great fear with with fear and great joy, and ran to bring the disciples the word. Notice verse number nine. And then when they went to the when the and as they went to tell the disciples, behold Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. And they came and Hold on. They came and beheld him at his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to him, do, "Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren and go to Galilee. There they will see me. Watch this. This gets interesting. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard that came into the priest. And came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. And when they assembled the elders and consulted them together, they gave them a large sum of money. Now watch this. This is the religious group of that time giving this money to the soldiers, saying, tell them that his disciples came at night and stole his body away or stole him away while, while we slept. Now watch this now. This is interesting. And this comes as the governor's, as it comes to the governor's ears, it will appease him and make you secure. So So verse number 15, so they took the money and did as they were instructed, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews today. I think it's interesting that Roman soldiers would do that, that they would allow. These men had pride. Roman soldiers faced the death penalty for abandoning their post. And notice what this says right here. These, road, these, these soldiers saw something supernatural. They were willing to take the money. They were willing to walk away. If you've seen the movie Risen, you'll see a, a really graphic but a, a really detailed uh, a synopsis of the Roman soldiers' view of the crucifixion, which I think is awesome. I think that they saw something supernatural. And, and again, can you imagine an elite guard of 30 men allowing a ragtag group of 12 guys overpowering them? That's just not going going to happen. And I'll tell you, the, the, to me the proof especially considering the Roman government considering the authority in which they did things for them to walk away for them to allow this and by the way these priests these religious I would call them fools of that time that crucified Jesus literally giving a bag of money they knew in their heart that something had happened they knew what had happened because the temple was split as you see in the passion of uh, the, the movie the passion of Christ you see how it was split and how the veil was torn they knew but they were so proud prideful and so arrogant and so controlling that they weren't going to admit that Jesus truly was the Messiah. But I think it's interesting how the soldiers show you and I that Jesus Christ is Lord. Number two, number two, over in John chapter 20, watch this. This is interesting. Notice what I told you to remember in your mind, earthquake. Everybody say earthquake earthquake. That's what happened. It wasn't just a little puff of smoke. It was a touch from heaven. Notice what it says here in John 20, 21. Watch this, John 20, 21. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. Everybody say early. She's getting up early in the morning while it was dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I mean, that thing had been moved. That stone was nearly 4,000 pounds, and that thing had been moved. And another interesting thing about that, that stone I want to bring your attention to, when they put a Roman seal on that thing, that is absolutely off limits. The Roman authority at that time, they were in control, and they wanted to let you know they were in control. And for them to put that seal on there was their absolute authority. And look what God did. He not only took the stone and rolled it away, he blew it away to the other side. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you what, when Jesus came out of that tomb, it wasn't just a little stone rolled away. I mean, it was the ultimate light show of light shows. If you've ever seen Pink Floyd, I'm telling you what, they outdid the Pink Floyd rock show at that time. Jesus put in on, LEDs everywhere, I mean, lightning, I mean, those guards absolutely just freaking out with fear. I'm telling you what, Jesus didn't have a little scene there, he just came out of a tomb. It was an open show of display that I am Lord, I am the resurrection, I am the life, and I I'm telling you what, it's an interesting to me, it's powerful to me that the shroud itself, everybody heard about the shroud? And we've seen pictures of the shroud. I think when Jesus' spirit came back into that body, the glory of God so blew an impression on that shroud that it made a picture of Jesus' face because the glory of God came and just literally lifted him off of that, that table area and he walked out that door with those grave clothes falling off him. And I think that's the evidence and proof that he is the resurrected Savior you And In my opinion, I think it's the most awesome thing when you think about the supernaturalness of what happened that day. And for people to mock that, you say, well, Pastor Brian, I've got friends of mine that have been to Israel, and they said there are three different places where Jesus was buried. I know, I know, I know. There's all kinds of questions. My point is, you don't need to actually you know, decide the actual location. You need to decide it in your heart. And when you decide it in your heart that it's supernatural, then life today is supernatural because he is alive. Number three, number three, the empty tomb. Look at Luke. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Finally, going to get to the proof that everybody believes is the proof. However, I'm not arguing that it's not the proof, but look what it says in Luke 24, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, early in the morning, when they came with certain other women, they came to the woman, to the tomb, bringing spices that they had prepared. Watch this. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Verse 3. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened they were greatly perplexed at this, that behold, two men by them shining in garments. Verse 5. And they were very afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. And they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? I love that phrase. Every version offers something special to it It says in verse 6, he said, he's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? Watch this. The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified on the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. Notice verse 9. And when they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest, watch this. It was Mary Magdalene, Jonah, Mary, mother of James, and the other women. Notice that Jesus is appearing to women, ladies. How about that? That's interesting because you know what? You're smarter than men. when it comes to these things, in my opinion. I'm serious, what were the disciples doing? They were down at Whataburger waiting on Jesus to get up, you know, do what he was supposed to do, hiding, hiding. But we're going to get to that in just a second. Watch this. Men, I'm not going to leave you there. Just a second. And look what it says in verse number 11. Their words seemed to be like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter, everybody say, but Peter, the one who denied him, what Peter do, he got up and he ran to the tomb, stooping down and saw the linen clothes. He saw that, that, the shroud of Jesus. He saw what had happened he knew that he denied the Lord three times, not once, not twice, but three times. And look what he says. He says he departed, marveling to himself what had happened. He knew the Roman soldiers knew, the religious sect knew that they didn't steal his body. I mean, come on now. How, how in the world would anybody believe that? And today that said that the you know that the disciples stole his bodies. They they were so scared of themselves, much less. How could they overempower this Roman guard and steal a body? And where is that body today? That's a good question question, Pastor Brian. Let me tell you, let me say it like this. For me, the sign of the empty tomb is Christianity's mark. The cross is the crucifixion and the tomb is the resurrection. And the, the cross is the price that he paid and the tomb is the actual denying of death and that he has risen truly what he said he would promise. Isn't that awesome, ladies and gentlemen? It's a forever sign. But here's the thing. Number four, everybody say number four. This is it. This is it. The key thing, in my opinion, is the, is the witnesses. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is where it gets very interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and notice Jesus is on the earth for 40 days, and basically what is he doing in 40 days? Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, watch this. And after he was seen by over, watch, everybody say 500. 500 people, that's a lot of people. Is it not? Not 50, not 100, but 500 people at once, of whom the greater part remained at the present at that time, yet some of them fall away at the right is what it means as far as they have gone, they have passed on to be with the Lord. But notice what it says. 500 people had seen Jesus at that time. Can you imagine what was going on? You say, well, Pastor Brian, how come he didn't show himself to the religious people? How come he didn't show himself to the Roman guard? Jesus was a man on a mission. He didn't really care about that because he knew he was the resurrected Savior. He knew that he didn't need to prove anything to anybody. What he was doing was these 40 days is he was implementing Christianity where it is and where it was about to go. And what he was doing is, he yes, he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to every single one of them, including Peter. And, uh, and uh, well, in the book of John, this is not on the outline, but I'm going to go there real quick, just read it to you. John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29. They may not have it on the screen, but this just listen to this. This is another eyewitness account of Jesus. And this this is to me powerful. John chapter 20, verse 24. Watch this. This is Thomas who denied him. But look what it says here in verse number 24. Now, Thomas called the twin one of the 12, which was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands in the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Boy, Thomas is really not doing good here. (laughs) And notice what it says in in, in verse 26 and after eight days, his disciples were again together, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut. He just came through the wall. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know he's the resurrection then if he's just walking through the wall. I'm telling you what, that's pretty awesome. It'd make the hair on the back of my neck stand out. Anyway, look what Jesus said. Peace, well, the door's being shut, and he stood in the midst of him. And he said, peace be to you. He's saying peace be to you right now. And he said to him, Thomas, reach here. Watch this. Reach your finger here. Look into my hands. Reach your Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Watch this. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Oh, wow, it gets even better. In verse number 28, And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God, I said the same thing. And watch what Jesus said in verse 29. This is the key, verse number 21. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Watch this. This is Jesus' whole premise about what he was doing during those 40 days. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know who he was writing about that day? What he was saying in those very words, you and I. You know, he in his heart wasn't having to go to Pilate or all the the religious uh, you know leaders at that time to prove who he is. He was saying, "Hey, if you will believe that I'm the risen Savior by faith, then you are setting Christianity in motion, not just for this generation, but for all the generations. Because the way I'm going to leave, I'm going to come back, and I am going to have a victorious family, my church, my body in this earth, and we will turn this earth upside down, and we will do this to the day." I come back. That's what he was doing that day. And he was not looking for to prove himself. He was looking to bring people into a place of empowerment to know that they are sent out in his mighty name. And I think it is so interesting. I don't have it listed here. But I think it's so interesting to me that simply his brother James, who denied him, but his brother James, after the resurrection, wrote the book of James and was the first leader of the church His own brother who denied him. But after the resurrection, guess what happened to James? He became a believer. And James, in the book of James, James is a short book, I encourage you to read it. You'll find not one single mention in the book of James that he was Jesus' brother. He was so embarrassed of what he had done prior to not believing Jesus. However, he was the true believer at the end there as far as him giving his life to the Lord and making Jesus the Lord of his life after the resurrection that he humbled himself And he was the key leader. God knows how to turn things around. Jesus is the most brilliant leader that has ever walked this earth. I mean, he had such power and authority when people thought they were destroying him, when people thought they were crucifying, when the Roman authorities said, hey, we're getting rid of this guy because we're wanting to get these religious fools off our back, talking about all the Pharisees. And look what happened, how it turned around. The Bible doesn't record, this is Pastor Brian's study of it, but I believe there were more Roman soldiers would you, you would call the elite military or the marines of their day. Nothing against the Army, Air Force, and National Guard and all that. Okay, But the marines of their day. I'm talking about the Roman soldiers. The marines of their day. It doesn't record this. This is why I like the movie, the, the movie Risen. They were believers. They didn't believe in religion because they saw the religious fools. But I'm telling you what, Rome began to go through an entire turmoil. Why? Because Jesus planted through the resurrection how powerful a man he was. I mean, Jesus was a man's man. I mean, can you imagine what he did in that Roman hall taking 39 stripes on his back? I mean, that is a horrible death. And for him to take that kind of punishment and to have that thing placed on his back and have to take that thing all the way up to Mount Golgotha, and yet he had help at the end. But I'm telling you what, most men, if not all men, would die during that Roman Hall beating. He gets to the cross, he's crucified, he lays there, he's making statements, as you see in the movie The Passion and other movies about how how he handled himself. He's leading one of the thieves that were crucified next to him, the Lord, and he's impacting the Roman soldiers after his disciples are all scaredy-cats and ran away, and the women are there standing with him. I'm telling you what, Jesus was such a man of control, and then to turn around and say words like, Forgive them, they know not what they do. I'm telling you what, this man that you and I live for not only made an impact then, he is alive today, he is the risen Savior, and people can spit in his face, and they can try to bring culture that comes against him, and values that dishonor him, and mock the Word of God. But I'm telling you what, Christianity is stronger today than it's ever been. It's more alive today than it's ever been. More people are realizing that the wokeness and the stupidity of the life that they're trying to live, and chasing after money, and chasing after this, and chasing after After that only brings them to an end of in fulfillment. I'm doing some good preaching this morning. How about that? (laughs) Let me tell you this. You can go by any cemetery and I guarantee you, it doesn't matter how tall the mausoleum. It doesn't matter how fancy the grave. I've been to graves. I've been to Elvis's grave. By the way, Elvis is in heaven. I've been to other graves, okay? Now, Elvis, now, how great they are, Elvis is in heaven, okay? Just to settle that fact right now. But I'm talking about other graves. Every single one of those graves will one day be vacant, and every cemetery on this planet will not hold a body because every person has two appointments. They have an appointment to die and an appointment to stand before God. But I'm telling you, the good news today is when you stand before Jesus Christ, he is not going to shun you away. He's going to embrace you for eternal life, but why don't you live your life for him to the very fullness if he can divide death and religion and change society, I'm telling you what, he has not changed today. He is still the life changer. 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, watch this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he is a life changer, a life changer. Watch this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Thank you all so much for getting us on the screen. Therefore, if any person is in Jesus, everybody say In Jesus. He or she is a new creation. All things have passed away, behold, all things have come become new. You say, Pastor Brian, that's great. No, that's a powerful promise. And one version says this: Old things are passing away, behold, all things are becoming new. Last June, I went to my 40th high school reunion. I hadn't been to one ever. Okay, it's my first one. But I went. And so uh, I went there, and you know me. I, I love people, and I, it was a room of about 130, 140 people. And so I'm just going around meeting everybody, people I haven't seen since we graduated. I've seen some people in Talladega back and forth, and I talked to people on the phone, and some people, you know, have seen me on Facebook and watched this program and watched our broadcast and all that and seen me preach and all that, but really people I hadn't seen the majority. I got to be with them for a whole evening. Well, they had some awards they were given out, and I was voted that night the most changed person in my high school, okay, the most changed person. When I went to high school, I was voted the most talented. How about that? (laughs) So pat me on the back. Nah, seriously. I was voted the most changed, and, and I was thinking about that when I walked away and drove away that night. It's because of the Lord. People could not... People said there were two, one person came up to me and one person commented later after I got back and sent me a note said, you, there are two different people. The one that I knew in high school and the one that I met the other night are two different human beings. And one person told me, said, I know there is a God in heaven. If he would change you, I know he can change me. One of my best friends that you know well, you, I was in a band and used to follow us is where we t- tour and travel. He said, "There is a God in heaven because He changed you." Let me tell you something, the greatest testimony of the resurrection, the most powerful thing, is the change lives. My life and your life, if you will continue to let him, and think about the disciples. Think about these men who were passive, who were insecure, who were afraid, who were fearful. And they were absolutely powerless against the Roman authority and then the religious authority at that time. And look what happened to them in the book of Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Watch this, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This summarizes Christianity like I've never seen it before. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Watch this. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Now, if they had, had hidden the body, if they had tried to cover all this up, if they have known that Jesus Christ had not risen, do you think you would have seen boldness in these men? Absolutely not. They'd have been scaredy cat. In Alabama, we call it scaredy-cats. Okay, I don't know what we call it here in Texas, but in Alabama, we call it being scaredy-cat. Notice what it says. And when they saw the boldness of Peter, 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 and John, and perceived they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled. (laughs) Just like what happened to me in my my high school reading. They marveled the fact that they'd realized they'd been with Jesus or they knew Jesus. Let me just say this. Jesus is a life-changing Savior. He is a life-changing identity in this earth. And when you hook your life to him, when you commit your life to him, when you let the proof of Christianity come through your life and not be ashamed of his name and live your life and not compromise with what everybody else is, well, Pastor Brian, people are doing this and people are doing that. What about this and what about that? Listen, I understand that. I do, I do, I do. But listen, this standard of Christianity is not just a good idea. It is the best way to live. Look at these men. They recommitted themselves with a passion and a zeal. And, you know, they were with the Lord. But just think about you and I. What did Jesus say to Thomas? Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. Let me tell you something, when you believe beyond seeing and you put your faith out there to live this Christian life and you know that if God be for you, who can be against you, then I'm telling you where you're walking in a peace and an authority where you're rubbing the devil's face in the mud and saying, listen, you may do this through others and the world may go this way, but I ain't going his way. I'm going to march to his drumbeat. I'm going to live my life to him. I am committed to him. I want to know him the greatest way possible and I want to be everything God has called and purpose for me to be through Jesus Christ. When you do that, I'm telling you why. Life is not only worth living. Life is worth, it's what, it's, what, it's, what, it's worth what it is. I'll never forget this story. It's so sad. Marilyn Monroe. I used to work for or, or worked with Billy Graham until the time he retired in 2005 in New York. And she, one time he was with her and he just simply was presenting Jesus to her like he'd done for so many other people. Presidents and other leaders, I mean, Billy Graham was Billy Graham, and he, was, he just told her simply this. He said, you have a very, a life of, un, your life is broken, and your life is full of broken pieces. And she looked at Billy Graham, and she said, I don't need Jesus, and I don't need what you're saying. 48 hours, she was dead. 48 hours gone, because she rejected the gift to make her life better. Oh, she was a beautiful woman and she had all these men, but she died lonely and she died by herself and she died with a life that was unfulfilled because she rejected the Lord. I'm telling you what, life in the world out here will give you one thing, but it will chew you up and spit you out. But the Lord's life, the Lord's purposes are far greater than that